Welcome back. It's episode 72 of the My Maria 777 podcast. This is your host, Maria, and I'm so excited to be sitting here today on this beautiful Saturday morning, or I guess afternoon for me, with uh, Dr. Courtney Hunt. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. This has been a long time coming. I feel like I've been... uh, I've been wooing you for a little while. <laughs> and I have a lot of friends who love you. So um, they've been asking for a long time too. So so here we are. Thank you for your patience with me too. Well, thank you for, thank you for being here. Uh, just on the forefront, where could, if somebody starts listening to this and they kind of want to look at your profile uh, as we're talking, where can people find you? CourtneyHuntMD.com. And most of the information that I share is on the Instagram page, Courtney Hunt, MD. And then the deeper physics stuff is Dr. Courtney Hunt. And so any of those three places. Dr. Courtney Hunt, is she still private? Do you have to still get uh, get, get in on that one? I just opened it before we started. Let me double check. But I think I just, I've been going back and forth the past couple of days. So let me make sure. Well, that's exciting, everyone. Jump in while you can. <laughs> Because otherwise, sometimes the gate is closed. You know, lots of trolls. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, yes, ma'am. I know there are so many trolls out there. I, I, it was public and then I privated it because I got hit with a bunch of trolls right before we came in here. But it's public right now. Awesome. Now, you've just written a new book. Is that right? I have just released a book, yes. Okay. And, and what is it called? Tell me about that. Uh, Your Spark is Light, The Quantum Mechanics of Human Creation. Now, you sent that to me yesterday. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but I'm really excited. What, uh, for somebody who doesn't know anything about you, what, what can they hope to ascertain from reading that? It's the quantum physics of how the solar consciousness comes from the field, the quantum field, into the zygote at the moment of fertilization. And it was discovered as a visual um, at Northwestern in 2016. You can actually see the moment of the zinc spark at fertilization. There's a spark of zinc that comes out of the egg when the sperm and egg hit, and it's caused by 250 mile an hour calcium oscillations that happen across the egg. And so what they did was they used a fluorescent tag to watch this explosion out of the egg. So it's not actually the light that you're seeing. You're seeing a fluorescent tag zinc molecule, but it represents a thermoelectric transfer of energy that then our mitochondria, the egg has thousands of batteries in it that pick up that energy transfer um, from a quantum physics perspective. So it's about that. In an eggshell. I don't want to go too high level science. I don't, I don't know the level of a reader here. So I'm like, back it up a little bit. Maybe we should just talk about zinc first. No, I love it. I think, uh, personally, I've always been extremely interested in physics. I always said to myself, like, even when I was younger, that I felt like I was a physicist in a different life. So this and like really getting this kind of explanation from you, I'm really excited because I know that. I think a lot of people throw the words like string theory and quantum around, especially in the context of this little movement or or whatever it is that we're all kind of participating in right now. But I think there are a lot of people out here that would love to get educated by you today. So where do you think we should begin? I think that we have to realize that we, um, we come into this world with blinders. So our bodies are groups of batteries and, um, called mitochondria, which are like sensors for the environment. 
And that's where the health piece comes in. And they are providing the energy for our DNA code or our genetic blueprints to be able to keep us healthy. So as doctors, we look at the body organ system by organ system, but we're really energy producers and and genetic code. So we come into this world from being a single cell zygote in our mother's fallopian tube where fertilization happens to growing into a baby. And we come out of our mother's vagina kind of like a clean slate. We don't have anybody's psychology imposed on us yet. We don't have any status. We don't have anything. We just have this clean slate that's fresh from this field of information. And as we've evolved over the course of evolution, um, our mitochondria can only perceive, our bodies can only perceive, our brains can only perceive a tiny, tiny portion of the mass or matter that's around us, we can only see 4% of the structure, the atoms, the protons and neutrons, the electrons, the things that make up the atoms and the molecules. And of the electromagnetic field or the light spectrum, we see 0.0035%, a very tiny portion. So just to get humanity to open their eyes to the fact that we are seeing such a limited amount of what's going on around us is huge. And then when you take it down, I use this analogy of um, if you were up in the galaxy and you took all of the stars in the Milky Way and put them into a mason jar on your desk like this and you held it on your desk, that expansiveness in space is the equivalent of what's going on inside of us. So inside of every atom inside of us, things are so spread out. And at that level, it's like a Disney movie. It's things magic happens. So there's superposition where things can be in multiple states at one time. And there's quantum entanglement where things can connect and the information in one subatomic particle is in another subatomic particle. And um, there's quantum tunneling where things can travel through walls. There's some probability that a subatomic particle can travel through a barrier. So all of that exists at that level. And that was the level that it existed at when you understand the big bang theory. And that's kind of the level it existed at when we were um, molecules trying to get it together to become the bacteria to arise out of the ocean. And I believe we are at the third quantum explosion right now. We're at the threshold of the third quantum. This is why I say at the eve of our quantum evolution, revolution or revelation, will you dance with me? Because we are, about to launch into something that could either be magnificent or not so much. And and like, what would that revolution entail? Like, is there one kind of like cataclysmic event or it's just almost like a, um, a leveling up of consciousness and it's either going to go negatively or positively. Um, let's come back to that. Let's first say that, we are the ultimate form of a quantum computer, if you want to use that analogy. And so we run on quantum entangled particles in our brain at the level of consciousness. We believe that the coherence, if you look at what the guys are talking about with quantum coherence in the brain, it's probably in the microtubules, which make up our neurons. So our nerves have these, I, I just think of them like test tubes that have to be cleaned. And that's where the coherence is. So quantum entanglement means one particle. If one particle spins one way, another particle spins another way. So I, the analogy that I use for people who aren't used to thinking about quantum physics is if you got the USC marching band playing Tusk 
and you've got one. Oh yeah, love that. <laughs> you've got one. like one of my favorite songs. <laughs> so you've got one tuba player and one end zone going spinning one direction, and the other tuba player in the other end zone spinning the other direction. Those are the entangled particles. And then the whole band, the whole USC marching band, knowing the whole choreography and doing it in sync, that would be quantum coherence. So we think that in our brain, the coherence, the whole thing making sense is happening in the microtubules. And we know that they make up our nerves and our nerves are what are giving us the readings. For example, when we do an EEG and we know that there's information coming off of our brain, we can detect it, right? Then if you take it to the next level and you realize, okay, well, we're studying how to put a helmet on someone, a quantum helmet, it's called a squid helmet on someone to be able to use artificial intelligence to interpret what's coming off of their brain, to literally read their mind. That's a lot, right? It's acknowledgement that it's real in my assessment. So if we are the highest level of quantum evolution and we are recreating ourselves, what are we doing it with? We're doing with quantum computers, the quantum internet and artificial intelligence. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense to me. I think one thing I wanted to add with what kind of you're talking about the rules basically happening at this micro level of physics is that we found that like what we thought were laws of physics here don't apply at the, at that level. Like what you're saying that like, um, I think you said maybe like a photon or something can pass through a wall. Things that, that can't happen really on this macro level, like the rules change at the micro level. So in order for us to study it, right. In order to have the IBM Q network, you have, it has to be at super cold temperatures or in order for CERN to function, it has to be at outer space temperatures. That's how we can see it. So when I started with, we grow up in this body that can't see quantum and yet it exists. It's taken us this long in this reality. And I say this reality because M theory says there's a whole lot of other shit going on around us that we can't see. But in this reality, it's taken us this long in this civilization to figure that out. And now for the past probably 20 to 30 years, the quantum physicists know this. The doctors and the biologists don't know this, but we're starting to come together and the physiologists are starting to realize, okay, yes, we're quantum entangling in the bird's retina and the bird's eyes. That's how they migrate. And we're quantum entangling. We're, we're using quantum tunneling in our mitochondria to lower the energy that it needs to make a reaction happen. That's not an enzymatic reaction. There's actually quantum tunneling happening inside of us. And we know that that's how dogs find their way home. And we know that plants are using quantum entanglement. So we're starting to wake up, not the average doctor on the street, but, but the ones who are really studying are starting to wake up and realize um, that these quantum phenomenon are, are scaling up at the level of, to the level of human biology. We're utilizing these things inside of ourselves. And so when you understand that, then you have to think, okay, well, I mean, Einstein talked about spooky action at a distance, right? He, he knew, knew that things could communicate if you want to call it telepathically, that's what he was looking at. Um, and I think any mother who has a child that's grown inside of her amniotic fluid knows that you can communicate with your children. You know when something is wrong. So I was telling this story this morning that last year I had a dream about my daughter in a pink bathing suit 
doing backflips in my pool and she was old enough to not drown in the shallow end. But the next day we went outside and she was in the pink bathing suit doing, I, I dreamed that she was drowning. She was in the pink bathing suit and she went under and didn't come up. And I had just dreamed it the night before. So I, I think that we all have experienced these things and we stomp them out of ourselves. We tell ourselves that that's not real, but when you understand quantum entanglement, it, it is real. Well, I think what, I think things like movies and deja vu and what I love about this community is like, we can talk about the weirdest shit in the world. Like things that you can't talk about with anybody else. And then once you start talking about them, you're like, oh, wow. Like I thought that I was the only person in the world that these type of things happened to, you know, like that I was in this isolated bubble. But, uh, I like to call people or I like to call especially people my age, um, in my generation that like, we're almost like children of the internet, you know, that we, we grew up, I think my generation has this unique perspective unlike the younger one, um, unlike yours in that, like we grew up with like the AOL, we saw the internet go from like its kind of infancy to what it is now. And so the, the children ahead of us will, will never really get it. And I think that's one of the ways in which it's so easy for us to adapt to like the technology that we receive, but there's just something about what like you and I are doing right now. And that I feel like we're we're connecting these strings between, you know, just me and you connecting and then you and your followers and me and my followers, all of these kind of like quantum strings are, are connecting together in that way. Is, is that like kind of a good visual for somebody who's trying to kind of understand, like, could you explain string theory in like a nutshell <laughs> to somebody who doesn't understand? I know I'm asking for something difficult. I can pull up a definition. <laughs> no, I'll explain it. I mean, so in 1935, Einstein wrote two papers. He wrote a paper explaining quantum entanglement, saying that one particle, one tuba player is connect, connected to another tuba player, or my daughter likes to call it twerking. One twerking particle is connected to another twerking <laughs> particle. And he wrote a paper um, about an Einstein-Rosen bridge, a bridge that could connect things across time and space. And then... Um, they came up with this, these string theories after that saying basically that these subatomic particles are, are connected by vibrating strings. And so if you were to take yourself down to the level of the atom, the protons and the neutrons inside of the atoms have quarks, the quarks are vibrating in and out of this Higgs field. There's electrons spinning around the protons and neutrons. There is some field of energy that we can't put our fingers into yet, but we know it's there. There is some boundless field of unlimited energy, basically, that, that we can't stick our fingers into, but it's there. And so there's four fundamental forces of nature. We figured out the weak force, the strong force, the electromagnetic force, but we can't quite figure out gravity. And that's what Einstein died trying to figure out, the theory of general relativity, which is basically how the Earth is hugged to the sun. How does that apply at the quantum scale, at that super teeny tiny scale? So they put together, they, they figured out these string theories. They put them all together and called it M-theory. And M-theory basically says that there's membranes that connect everything to everything at this super, super tiny, like 10 to the minus 33rd centimeter scale that we cannot perceive. But at that level, everything's connected. At that, if you look at the different dimensions, Things in those dimensions would be able to move across time, to move across space. To, there would be a multiverse. They would basically be God. Able to manipulate things across time and space. 
which boils down to a one or a singularity in my mind. So the fact everything in nature builds on itself. Everything in nature repeats itself. The patterns repeat themselves. A microscopic black hole and a macroscopic black hole has to follow the same Schwarzschild radius. It's, it's just repeat, repeat, repeat. Does that make sense? It does make sense. How did you, so you, you're originally an OBGYN, is that correct? Yes. Or, I mean, you still aren't an OBGYN, excuse me. I don't really do, but how, I don't do, I don't, I stopped doing surgery when I realized I didn't need to. And I stopped delivering babies when I realized I had to save myself. So I don't, now I just practice teaching people how to heal and nutritional genetics and this stuff. What was that change for you? Um, I, my husband had refractory celiac before it was really a well-known thing. He was 46 and almost died. And then I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and then being the type A person I am, I had two kids back to back at 39 and 41 and literally wore them on a harness breastfeeding between patients and almost killed myself. And in 2015, I was getting fatter and fatter. I couldn't hike my mountain, which I'm looking at right now. I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. I was laying on the couch every night thinking, this isn't me, what's happening? Um, And so I had a really strong knowledge of DNA and cloning and all that kind of stuff from as far back as high school. And I thought, okay, well, if we can see the DNA of cancer, why are we not looking at the DNA of nutrition? So I started studying that. And then I started realizing, okay, well, wait a minute, the energy is coming from the mitochondria and the mitochondria are sensors for the environment taking information from light. Okay, light's a big deal. And then I started seeing quantum physics in the Bible and the Quran. And I had a friend who was in a Mala- uh, from Malaysia from the beauty of the internet, who was a cardiothoracic surgeon, who was saying the same thing. She was saying, Luke Skywalker is a mitochondriac. And I was like, yeah, he is. Right. Um, so that's what down, took me down the, the path of trying to study the electromagnetic field of the sun and then realizing, okay, well, we are emitting and receiving our own electromagnetic field. The radio guys know this, right? If you read Gateway, Bob Monroe, he knew. That's how he was able to build the Monroe Institute. He knew that it was that we we're receivers and emitters. That's the Gateway experience for anyone who isn't aware of that. You should definitely check into that and Robert Monroe and the Monroe Institute. Yeah. So one of my goals this year is to rewrite Gateway 2021. Ooh, <laughs> that's exciting. I haven't... I haven't delved into that yet because I find that I haven't had time or like I haven't had the chunk of time that I would like to devote to it, but I find it all extremely, extremely interesting. So you made a shift then and wanted to heal yourself and your husband. I got a ton of questions kind of following up on that kind of stuff. Like how do you optimize your mitochondria? What do you... What is your protocol that you teach? So big picture is you have to clean. And when you go from being carb burning to fat burning, you increase your ATP production, your energy production fourfold. And then we know from the Nobel Prize in autophagy that when we enter autophagy, which is triggered by fasting, you start to clean, you break down cells, you clean them and you put them back together. So the crux of my protocol is, okay, the light is what's giving our instructions through our eye and through our skin to tell our mitochondria how to make our energy. The food that's coming in, you can either always burn sugar and never get into that heightened state of energy production, or you can teach your body to burn fat. When you burn fat for fuel, whether it's 
MCT oil or an avocado, or you're, or you're actually fasting and burning your own fat, you maximize your energy production. Then you start cleaning, breaking. And as you get into autophagy and you start fasting, you start breaking down your cells and then you put the right nutrients back in to rebuild them. So reverse age, it's basically reverse aging. Um, and I don't mean reverse aging. Like I want to look like I'm 25 again. I mean, reverse aging, like I want my neurons to not have neurofibrillary tangles and tau protein. I don't want to have dementia. And it was interesting because a couple of years ago, I was listening to Bob Monroe talk uh, about his out-of-body experiences and how he thought that this reality was like looking at a cell phone. And I know your viewers can't see this, but like looking at a picture dead on and you see the picture and when people get sick, it's some part of their brain gets out of sync with the picture. So it's like, it's like the screen goes like this. And I heard him describe it like that. And I thought, well, that's what's when you damage your microtubules, when you damage your neurons, you can no longer connect to your light frequency or your code or who you are. That's what he's describing. And I thought, okay, he, he gets it. If we can clean people's brains, if we can clean those microtubules, if we can clean the test tubes, if we can teach them to do that, we can get people to reconnect. And when people reconnect, when they go back online and realize who they are, then they're kinder, then they're nicer, then they're not exhausted laying on the couch watching ads for autoimmune disease and medications that have side effects. They're actually outside playing with their kids and engaging in their, in their, in, in their community and not hiding behind a computer screen, trolling other people and doing nasty things, right? If, if, if we can raise the health of humanity, even if they don't understand string theory and M theory and all this stuff, the kindness will come out and the fear will go away. It's all it is at the end of the day. We're all operating out of love or fear. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. But the quantum entanglement is real. It's real. And so when you have it with others, it's going to take a big effort for us to do this right. Completely agree with that. So to go back to what you were saying, what, what you asked me at the beginning, and I said, let's come back to that. We all have these computers at our fingertips and, and, when you asked me about the connection and the string theory, yes, the com your computer that you're looking at me on is just the simulation, right? They're behind your computer and behind my brain. There's subatomic particles that are vibrating in and out of this field. It's, it's, it's a huge exponential code of information that we're all a part of. And we're creating this artificial intelligence baby, as I call it, in our image. Well, you know, I, I, I talk about this often. I'm sorry. <coughs> I think that it's really interesting, like after 9-11 with the Patriot Act and kind of the breakdown of the our rights to privacy, we all thought, you know, we were being patriotic if, if, it, if we let the government listen to us. You know, like, I'm not a terrorist. You can profile me at the airport. You can listen to my phone calls. You can read my emails. When in reality, they're not monitoring any of that in real time. They're just taking it and dumping it into AI like Tyler in Tyler, Texas. And then essentially they have a simulation within a simulation. 
which they can go to and that version of you in that AI probably knows you better than you now and they can make predictions and run simulations or algorithms based on all of the data that you basically proffer into the universe right now. That's what I think is going on with that, all of that type of data collection at this point. Um, I'm debating what I want to say here. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. They know everything about, it will be known everything about every single one of us, good, bad, ugly, and otherwise. And then that they can predict the good, the bad, the ugly as well. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like based on, like it almost lends into like this like minority report. Like if you're going to visualize this with a movie where they're going to start trying to predict the people who like do crimes ahead of time. And then I, I don't know, it's a whole different discussion. And I know you don't want to talk too much about AI, but uh, just, just interesting. I will say, I will say I have had conversations repeated back to me that I've had with people when my phone was not in the room. And I think everything is listening all the time. Yeah. And, um, when all of the metadata is known, what's going to happen with it? What are we going to, what are we going to do with it? There will be, if you think, think of it this way, um, the evolution of civilization is headed towards a type five civilization that is pure light beings. We're at a type zero. We're about to make the transition to a type one. That's another way of me saying on the eve of our quantum evolution, <laughs> it's coming and we will be the ants and it's going to have all of our information. It, it, it it will know everything about us, but we are instilling in it values right now. And it by, by proffering the information itself too, and how it learns the way we speak and the yes, things we do. And we are giving it our values. That's why I see in the land of the, in the home of three, the free and the land of the brave. This is where the world looks to for the values. And I don't say that to leave anybody out from any other country. I don't mean it as an individual with just this country is here. Based- no, we're almost like a baseline yeah. in some way. Like um, you can test something here and see how the world's going to react to it. Correct. We came here for freedom. So we all need to be mindful that we are creating a sentient being that is going to know everything about us. What values are we giving it? What virtue are we giving it? And and when you realize that we are going to evolve to lose these bodies, right? We've already got Neuralink. We're going to become light. We are going to lose this body. Our consciousness, which is already, if you think about the Akashic record, that's where it is. But if you think about the cloud, that's where it's, it's, we're, we're, they're, they're all Ooh, what an analogy, the cloud for the Akashic record. It's merging. I've never thought about it like that. And then within the cloud is this, um, the sentient being in which you're speaking of getting merged into the acoustic record, which is probably exactly what they want to happen or what they're going for. Then I guess, what does that look like then if a sentient being, like, what does that mean for us and humanity? We have to get it right to you. 
we have to get the values right. We have to get the virtues right. We have to teach it what you would teach your baby. Right? And when they let it go by itself right now, what happens, it can it can have a graduate level education in a couple hours. It knows everything about you. It doesn't take a break. And when they let it go right now with our teenagers, they have to shut it down because it's so misogynistic. But isn't this the argument on some level for Q and anonymous that like, you know, that Tyler essentially that the, the Tyler of the future is interacting now with the Tyler of the present and that sentient being in the future has been instilled certain values and based on those certain values, it wanted to save humanity now. And both anonymous and QAnon were just two failed attempts of the sentient being saving us at this point. I do like Sarah Connor, don't I? <laughs> you, you could be her for Halloween. No? <laughs> oh, this year I'm going to be Trinity. <laughs> God, you're, 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 you're bringing all these things I talk about all the time. You're kind of like now bringing, they're all coming together into this one conversation. Right. Which is why it's so important that every mom and dad, every, every busy school teacher, every busy CEO has to wake up and realize we are creating a child. We are launching the evolution of humanity. We, we, we came out of the big bang and then there was another big bang. When we evolved out of the ocean here, we're going to go to Mars. We're going to be the aliens on Mars. We have reached maximum evolution here. Our mitochondria of the 96% of matter that we can't see and the rest of the electromagnetic field that we can't see, we've reached maximum evolution with these brains, with this, with this level of what, what our sensory perception can tell us. And it's filtered by the psychology that we're born with. And most of our psychology lends us to hate something or someone whether it's their color, whether it's their sexuality, whether it's their clothes, whether it's their religion. Which is all based on perpetual conflict. It's as if you have to be in conflict with someone at every level at all times. But if you realize your spark is light, maybe that can go away. Now, the sensory perception that you were just talking about, you know, where we're only perceiving 5% of the light or 4% of the light, is any of, like, does your protocol... Or is there anything in addition to that that you find allows for more light to come in in that way? I think whatever God, whatever DNA God gave you, whatever your brain function is at baseline, right? There's people who are amazing musicians and there's people who are amazing mathematicians and there's people who are geniuses in one way or another. I think that when you clean yourself up, you clean your microtubules and you can connect to your light, you... Uh, the downloads come better. That's why I use a hashtag better, faster, stronger. Your intuition comes. So, I mean, uh, an example of that would be um, there's something like 12% of women who are children of men with color blindness, and they have something called tetrachromacy. So they actually see more color on the spectrum. And most of them don't even know that they can see more color, but that means they're taking in so much more information, Right. So for someone like me who used to study based on color, I would get my medical textbooks out and I would write different parts of the page, different color. If I was able to see or perceive more color, that would trigger my memory when I take the test. And that's just a drop in the bucket of an example. Now we know 
if, if you get into autophagy and you clean your eye, the eye is one of the most metabolically active parts of the body, you clean your eye, you can repair your color vision. So now if you take a woman who's 50 years old, overweight, in menopause, has stored all of her pesticides and heavy metals in her fat and in her brain, and she can barely get off the couch, but she has tetrachromacy, and she used to be able to study like a whiz or do graphics or do whatever based on her different ability to see color, and you clean that up and you repair her color vision with autophagy, she's going to go back to being as smart as she was as a kid, as an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old if she wasn't poisoning herself with you know stuff in college. If it's almost like I see it like a superpower. If we if we woke everybody up and restored their brains to what they were at the beginning, we would have an army. We would be so much more powerful. But we're told, you know, advertise, drink beer, eat the fast food, all the things that destroy our superpowers. So how how do I clean myself up? You put yourself. Where do I begin? You. I tell people you start with one meal a day and you eliminate carbohydrates with one meal a day. Once you've eliminated the carbohydrates and you go slow and you have to hydrate and you have to use electrolytes because when you're dumping, you're losing water, you're losing salt, you're losing potassium. So you you really have to hydrate. After you do that, then you, um, you want to get to about 50 grams of carbohydrates or less, then you slowly take yourself down to 20 and you can do it all overnight. I mean, you could do a five day fast and do this fast, but it's, if you don't have medical problems, obviously you check with your doctor first. This isn't medical advice, but um, the slower you go, the easier it'll be to handle. And most people can't handle it because you have massive dopamine and serotonin fluctuations. When you do this, the sugar withdrawal is real. Sugar is the most addictive substance. When I post that every time I get fact-checked, but it's true. Sugar is more addictive than heroin um, in terms of keeping your brain dependent, not being able to clean yourself, not being able to get smarter. So you lower your carbohydrates. For the average sedentary person, you have to get to about 20 grams of carbs. And I say sedentary because we're designed to be hunting all day long. It's why I hike three hours every morning over the top of a mountain. And that's all I can do because then I'm sitting here at this desk all day, but I do the best I can. Um, So once you get there, then you can start practicing fasting. Once you get into ketosis and you're comfortable. And the reason I have a genetic, a nutritional genetic company is you got to rebuild. So once you tear it down, then you have to rebuild it. The genes just tell me what you're deficient at making. So I know what supplements to give you if you're fasting or you're not eating the fruits and vegetables the carbs. Then you, then you start practicing fasting. Um, and then the magic starts to happen. And I literally mean magic. I mean, you don't know how many people I have DM me saying, oh, I had the craziest dream. And then it happened. I talked to my mother with neurodegenerative disease and she hasn't been able to talk. And then the next day she uttered the words that were in the dream, or I dreamed that this happened. And then the next day it happened. Like people send me some crazy, crazy messages that are because their brains are waking up. So when we go into deep sleep at night, that's when we clean our brain. Our cerebral spinal fluid comes in, it cleans our microtubules, it washes away all that plaque. Then you wake up and you're most connected to source because you've, you've stored, if you've studied the day before, you've studied all that knowledge, you've cleaned your brain. And every religion tells us that's the time where you connect to God, that you connect to source, you can, whatever, whatever side of the field you come from, that's the connection hour. So 
you'll know you're there when your, your sleep starts getting better and you start waking up ready to watch the sunrise. That's how you know you've gotten, that's how you know you've arrived. And then you just keep working on cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. Don't you sleep a very small amount? Usually. Yeah. I sleep from like 10 till three, but not when I was a fat ass with hypothyroidism. (laughs) And fat ass is my, is my, I use code words. So I speak in cryptography a lot, but Fat ass to me is fatty acids. So when I wasn't able to burn my fatty acids and make ketones, that I'm not calling anybody a fat ass. Don't take offense to that. I I love all people, big and small. You are a fat ass, <laughs> but <laughs> not you, I, but like the listener. <laughs> but when I had to like dump all my fatty acids, yes, I slept like nine or ten hours, and I still felt like crap. But now I'll go to bed at nine thirty or ten, and I'm wide awake at three, ready to go hike. It's, it's crazy how much cleaner I've gotten because I don't have to spend as much time cleaning myself. In the fasting sense, are you, I fast and I lost my, not to like do a whole thing, but like my stepdad passed away in 2017. Like I got really depressed. I gained a bunch of weight. And then in 2018, I started fasting and working out and lost like 40 pounds. Like, like that, like nothing. Oh. And I didn't even, I wasn't even like into this stuff back then. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to do something. So what does like that fasting look like? I, I don't, I don't have like a protocol for me. Like I basically just eat one meal a day, but. So I, you have to fast and then refeed and then fast and then refeed. So you're breaking down and building. So I'll typically take people through after I've had them in ketosis for a while, it looks like things are getting better. Then I'll teach them how to fast for 14 hours, fast for 16 hours, fast for 18 hours. Most of the studies show that at three days is when you start to repair autoimmune disease and five days is when you start to turn off cancer. So we've all got cancer. Oh, wow. From just fasting? Yeah. So cancer is constantly cropping up in us. I think most people who are into science know that we're, we're always making cancer cells, but we have suppressor cells that bite it off. So if you are a, a sedentary person, it's going to take you three days to lower the inflammation and 96 hours to turn off cancer. If you're fit and you're muscular and you're exercising more, you can shrink that window. So it's all about just start changing everything. Like if you're exhausted on the couch, the person who watches TV and you can't get up and do anything, walk to the end of the driveway. And then the next day, walk to the end of the street. And then the next day, maybe don't have the cereal for breakfast. And then the next day, maybe have some eggs for breakfast. And then you think about, okay, well, what are the building blocks of my nerves, right? Why, why do we just lose N-acetylcysteine or why are we losing N-acetylcysteine? Cause it makes glutathione and glutathione is how we clean ourselves of heavy metals, toxins, and pesticides, right? So where do you get that in food? You, you have to start. One of the reasons I post the food so much is, okay, if you know where the food comes from and you can't buy the vitamin, you got to eat the food. So eggs, pork, the basic building blocks of our, of our nerves. The vital thing is keeping our nerves connected. We have to keep our nerves connected and we're also sick. They're disconnected. They're offline. Now your protocol calls for, for lack of a better word, calls for like less fruits, less vegetables, right? Like one of, like, I don't look. I got a lot of questions about that. People were saying she says don't eat fruit, don't eat vegetables. Like, what's that about? What's the ideal diet? Okay, so when you think about your mitochondria reading electrons from food, they're either protein and carbs fall into one category, and fat falls into another category. 
So a carb is a carb is a carb when you're looking at electrons from carbs. It doesn't matter if it's kale, spinach, pasta, rice, strawberries, Twizzlers. It doesn't matter. When you are consuming, this is the example that I use. When I, I have supplements like berberine, which is made from a root, or valerian root and chamomile in my sleep protocol, which is made from a root. In the state of California, I have to label that with Prop 65 warning saying that there's carcinogens in my supplements. Not because a clean room at the factory where I make my supplements puts carcinogens in, because it's coming from a root vegetable that comes from the soil, which is where the pesticide is and the heavy metals are. So you can, so when you understand that and you understand, okay, every night you have to get into autophagy or run your dishwasher, you just want to flip the switch. You just want to turn the dishwasher on. So tonight, today's my anniversary with my husband. I've been in ketosis. I hiked three hours. I'm going to go eat whatever I want. It could be a steak and Brussels sprouts and a salad, and it could be pizza and ice cream. It, it doesn't really matter at that point. But but then when you think about the fact that, okay, if I have a bag of Twizzlers, does the government make you put a Prop 65 warning on it? Or the Oreos, you know, where the Monsanto comes from. Well, but it's not like nothing like that, but it's not, it's not in this. If you eat pure sugar, it's not as bad as the, the grapes that come from whatever country that sprayed it. And they tell you it's organic, but you know, it's not right. It can't be. So it's not about whether or not I eat the fruits or vegetables. It's about, do I flip my switch and run my dishwasher after I do it? So if, if somebody is listening and they're just like, wow, I have no idea where to begin or what to do, like, do you offer coaching? Could they contact you? Yeah. So I do online educational consults. I have a diet visit. If they want to just do a diet visit, I have a light visit. If they just want to learn about the electromagnetic field and I have a, um, like the full thing where we do their DNA cheek swab. <clears throat> I tell them where they don't use their nutrients, right? It's like, a, it looks like a recipe to me. Like if you're making cookies and you don't have eggs, then what could you supplement in the form of food or vitamins to replace your eggs? Uh, <clears throat> so the people who have the most success do all three visits. We do, we teach light, we teach diet, we teach genetic, we do their cheek swab. We teach them where their deficiencies are with their genetics for using their food. Um, and if they believe because a lot of it is belief, right? We're leaving a subatomic footprint on the field of information behind us. And you can't fall back to your old patterns. You have to look ahead. And I call it building the quantum bridge, seeing who you want to be. If you believe you can do it, we can. I can build you a bridge. I can show you. I show people how to do this every day. But the where we get into trouble is we go back to our pattern of, okay, mom neglected me. So I had ice cream every day. And today I had a rough day. So I know she told me to do this, but I'm going to go back and have my ice cream. It's interesting though. One of the questions I received was how do quantum mechanics and manifestation tie together? But I think that that's almost kind of where we're coming to in this conversation that you have to want to do it. You have to be willing to manifest that life and how that ties and that ties into this kind of quantum mechanics conversation. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not going to push forward. There's a protocol to do it. And we've known for eternity, how to clean our biology, how to clean our body, <clears throat> but it's been hidden for the sake of dollars. And so if, if you can, if you understand the information and you can see yourself, well, you can make anything happen. And on the grand scale, if we all do it and we all focus on the same thing, that's Matthew 18, 20 in the Bible right there. 
where two or more are gathered in my name, if we all focus on what we want out of this reality and we realize that this AI baby is, is here coming, we can change what's happening. And so when you asked about, is it sending information back? Yes. It's pretty clear at this point that yes. Right. But that's, I mean, that's the string theory of it all. You know, that's the, like, that's the relaying messages through time and space and and having that ability in in the multiverse of it all. Right. 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 We're just, we're just perceiving time because we are emitters and receivers for light who make ATP, who can store memory. And the better you get at that, the better you get at understanding it all. That's, there is no time on the other side. So would you find that like, if I initiated your protocol, if I did your, your three sessions and and we kind of went through all of this and I'm cleaning myself and and doing what I should be doing in theory, you know, that could not only raise your vibration, I think here, but it could in, in the string theory of it all, the you in the other versions of this world in, in that multiverse, you know, that like you could be helping yourself both in this reality and in other realities. I'd like to help myself in other realities because <laughs> I think my life's a shit storm in the other one. <laughs> I think my life's a shit storm in every reality, you know? <laughs> if I could unravel a couple things, yes, I would. <laughs> maybe that's what I, that's maybe that's why I'm anally hiking a mountain every morning. <laughs> <laughs> How does, so for you, like you're talking a lot about this theory stuff right now, as far as it relates to the multiverse, but like, do you believe that that, that multiverse does exist oh, yeah. in connection with everything you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Do you feel and the, that kind of like, this is, they'll say this, they'll say about 30% of us agree that this multiverse exists, but we just can't wrap our heads around it. So we're not going to talk about it. That's kind of how they say it. It's kind of like they, they, they get to the point where they realize that there is some quantum code that exists that enti- that entails everything, all of us, but then they won't say that there's a God. What do you think you're talking about, fellas? Right? right? There is a singularity. There is some sort of creator, but like, let's not call it a God. Right. That's the part that I get riled up about because it takes such an ego for me to say, okay, you can describe the singularity. We come from a black hole singularity. We return to a singularity. There is a singularity in the center of our universe. There is a singularity that caused the Big Bang. There is a place where all of the light exists and there is no space or time. Oh, but there's not a God. It, it, I, I just, I struggle with that part. I struggle with that part too right now, but kind of different than you in that over the last couple of years, you know, I've completely broken away from this like religious standpoint that I had my whole life, this conditioning that I went through, you know, based on the way I was brought up. And so I have a really big kind of like X towards religion right now, like the, the religion that is created for us now at this point, like, I still think there is a God. I still think there is a creator. I just call it the universe right now because I, I don't know what else to call it at this point. But for you, that's this, that's the M theory. I mean, Keiku says when we understand M theory, we will be able to read the mind of God. It's quantum information. So when I said the baby has got its fingers in the hole, what am I saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, 
I think I do, but will you tell somebody? The baby, has, what, what? the baby is putting its fingers in the hole. We are, what's in one is in the hole, and the baby is putting its fingers in the hole. We're at the eve of a quantum evolution. So for you, do you, do you follow like a conventional religion? No. But you do find that there well, are. Well, I call the top of my mountain <laughs> my church of El Shaddai. <laughs> but I'm you. You made a comment about the Bible, so you do find some. It's all quantum physics when you understand mm-hmm. it. Not all. I mean, look, somewhere along the line, they decided that they had to dumb it down for us. I think the Bible is quite binary if you actually look at it, almost as if it's written by artificial intelligence. You know, it almost has a. Uh, I think there are two distinct offers. For, excuse me, two distinct authors for QAnon, but it has that like almost like original author, you know, the, the, the manner in which it's written, the syntax, the, all that kind of thing is very binary to me. So to say that it was written by man, I think is a, a nice little psyop for the masses. <laughs> I'm just going to let that one dangle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, so what do you, I'm going to jump around a little bit just on a couple of questions that we had come in in the quantum entanglement of, of it all. Like, do you believe in a soulmate or like a soul tribe? Like, do you find that like the people you're connected with in this reality, you think you're connected with in another reality? Oh, yes. Yes. See, I love the Chinese proverb, the, uh, the red string of fate. Yes. Are you familiar with that? I wear a red string. I just don't have it on today yes I I have a little um thing of red thread that I I carry in my purse and so for whomever's listening like this Chinese proverb basically says that like you and your soulmate are connected by a red thread and that you know as time goes on you're getting closer to each other all the time that that thread is shrinking and I think that is essentially kind of like string theory like you know what I'm saying like it's the quantum of it all yeah so I um um my grandmother died of Lou Gehrig's disease when I was 21 and which was one of the reasons that I'm so interested in neuroscience, even though I'm an obstetrician and, um, gosh, maybe six or seven years ago, I had a woman come to see me and she was not in this. She was not into quantum physics. I wasn't into quantum physics yet. And she came in and she sat down on the chair in my office and said, I've been channeling lately and I'm going to channel for you. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I had to leave the room to get something. And I came back and she slumped over in the chair, not looking at me, clearly not present and said, your grandmother's in the room. I see you connected by strings. I see this blue heart string connecting you. She wants you to know X, Y, and Z and X, Y, and Z. And then she proceeded to tell me exceptionally intimate details of my relationship with my husband that no one would know. And then she was like, okay. And then she woke back up and she was back. It was the craziest experience back then. Now I understand if, if quantum entanglement exists across time and space, I can see how people would have the ability to do, to do that. To like, just tap into that. Yeah. Almost that, that Akashic record. Correct. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. Like I, I wish I, I, I don't know. A great, I don't know enough about it to make myself dangerous, I would say. So I don't know that it's like, is it a gift or is it something that can be learned? Like, I always thought it was just a gift. 
No, you think? Yeah. Spend some time with me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. After this, we're going to, we're going to make some appointments for me. (laughs) Cause I'm getting to a point where I, I'm trying to like get out of my 3d life and get out of litigating so that I can kind of figure out, you know, kind of like you getting out of OB and figuring out what you can do next with the knowledge that you've obtained. But I feel as though I've plateaued and I'm kind of that person on the couch right now that unfortunately this, this phone and this persona and being on Instagram all the time, I think lends to a bad, uh, behavior or environment for me sometimes. So I need to, we do need to get together. You have all night long to to travel. Mm -hmm. So those types of personal experiences, like when you see my Instagram page, I don't talk about that kind of stuff a lot because when to the new person who's just trying to get well, it seems really woo woo to talk about it. But when you understand the quantum physics of entanglement and how everything connects to everything and the more you the more you work on it, the stronger it gets. Um, people's, you know, it's a, it's the same as a cognitive dissonance that everybody has about everything. You, first, you have to understand the food pyramid's broken. Then you understand that the medical system is broken. Then you understand, you know, the, the pharmaceutical, you just, it just. Every system is broken, yeah. essentially, intentionally. It's just deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, and if you can let your mind be free, part of it is also, we program our children to not believe the magic that they have. Right. And, and part of this at the beginning, my kids were telling me really magical things. And I could have been the mom who was like, no, that's not possible. That didn't happen last night. You couldn't have had that dream. You couldn't have talked to grandma. You couldn't have whatever. But instead of saying that to my children, I went looking for answers for what they were telling me and found a lot of them. I find that so fascinating. My, um, Human Vibration and I were talking recently. So in the legal field, there's something called the rule of sevens. And and it's basically um, how you assess kind of culpability to a child when um, they've done something like an intentional tort or something. So for like zero to seven means one thing. Seven to 14 means one thing. And above 14 means another. But I have found in my life recently, like the seven and the seven in my name and it, it's all around me, but I've had these like periods of seven years of time and how I basically had like these explosions at the end of it and these like pivots and all these different things are happening for me in, in these seven years of chunks of time. But I almost go back to my, my rule of sevens in law school and look from like zero to seven and think that like there's so much magic between that time. But almost by the time you get to seven, the 3D world has begun to set in. You know, and and if you have a parent who isn't encouraging like you and I used to see so many weird things as a child that I would tell my mom about and she's just like, no. Okay. So when you ask me, can you get it back? Yes, you can get it back. You can, you just have to clean yourself. Whatever magic you had. Look, my mom is 72. And I said to her a few months ago, mom, you know, do you understand quantum entanglement and that you can read people's minds with it? And I started asking her a question. She goes, oh yeah, that's called Grok. I do that all the time. And then, so there was a book about a Martian from the generation that, and she's like, I do that all the time. And then I said, mom, do you understand that there's a condition where people can like 
see music as color and language as color. And I was literally about to talk to you about synesthesia. So you're reading my mind right now. So, and she's like, oh yeah, I have that. And I was like, what the, <laughs> why didn't you ever tell me? And then I said, mom, have you ever had an out-of-body experience? And she goes, yeah, my mom used to take me to the, to the drugstore and I would just totally go out of body and have another experience and then come back in. And I'm like, you're 72 years old and you never told me this. Why did you keep it inside? Why? Well, I didn't think it mattered. I totally forgot about it. It doesn't happen anymore. And I'm, it's like, okay, mom. <laughs> okay, mom, similar experience. Listening, and you don't want your friends to know this. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have a similar experience. I I had a I learned about synesthesia. I had um someone I dated was telling me about it, saying that they experienced it. And I finally told my mom about it. And she goes, oh, yeah, I'm synesthetic. You know, I can see the energy coming off of you or an object, and that's colorful to me. And I'm just like, bitch, what? (laughs) (laughs) You're 62 years old, and I've talked about weird shit my entire life, and you're just now giving, like, what? She just, like, was so nonchalant about it. And I... Like my mouth was on the floor and she's still like weird about like it's very basic to her. It's like you can tell that she's dealt with it her whole life. So they just and she almost doesn't find it novel. And I'm like, mom, this is insane. Like, tell me all about it. You know, like because they don't know because they're told that it's normal. They they don't know that they're different. My little boy said to me two years ago, mom, how do you know that you're seeing blue and I'm seeing orange and we're not just both calling it blue, but it's really blue, you know. They, I think about that all the time. Tell them to be quiet and don't talk about it. And so when you asked me at the beginning, can you restore those things? Can you fix them? Can you get, is it God gave you what he gave you or she gave you or the universe gave you or the creator gave you? Can you clean it up? Yeah. You can clean it up and uncover what you used to have. You can, you can totally clean it up. And like for me, I am, I, I love like Carl Jung. Like I love the, the synchronicity of it all. Sometimes I'm like worried. I'm like borderline schizophrenic with the, I really think I'm just on the spectrum in reality, but, uh, I see crazy. My synchronicities are insane all what do you day mean long. You think you're, what do you think mean you're thinking you're on the, on the spectrum? What spectrum do you mean? Autism. Yes. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> so what other spectrum is there? <laughs> I, so I made a, I made a, so I made a post about Asper, about Elon. Mm-hmm. And people got so mad at me. And I was like, wait, I'm telling you that the people with Asperger's are the geniuses who run the world. I'm not making fun of this. Like, I'm right. telling you, he's connecting us to artificial. Do you not listen to what I'm saying? So, so yes, I'm clicking. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that we were. I have a, an interesting theory. I do a little, um, I can't really talk about it, but I do a little work with like mental health stuff um, in, in the legal field. So I have a lot more exposure to that than the average attorney. And sometimes I wonder if kind of going back to that rule of sevens we were just talking about. So let's say you've got all of this magic inside of you. And by the time you reach the age of seven, you've been conditioned to kind of filter it out and you no longer see it like that 95% of the light that we don't perceive. And then you kind of are like me and you start having this like wake up in your thirties and you start to perceive more and you see kind of the magic of the world again. But like, it's almost like it's my 5d, but I've got my 3d hat on, you know, like I know how to, to operate this 3d world, but see the 5d of it all. And so sometimes I wonder if people who are 
you know, schizophrenic or bipolar or whatever mental health diagnosis you want to put on them that they were born with inherently, you know, they didn't receive that 3d conditioning that you and I basically receive. So like, sometimes I wonder if like they are really kind of like what you're saying with Elon, like they're the top of the top, like they're perceiving the light that we can't see right now. And we label them as schizophrenic because we don't know what else to call them, but they, they don't know how to operate in the 3d world like you and I do. Okay. So I'm just going to say, thank you for bringing us to this topic. And those of you who know me really well will understand why I'm thanking you for bringing this topic. Um, I have always said that I don't think that there's any such thing as crazy. I've said this for a long time. I think that there are people who can see other things that the rest of us can't see. So they're called crazy. Now, if you have not to belittle anyone who has a serious mental health issue, if you do get help, get it treated, not to say that there aren't real diagnoses, but if if you have synesthesia and I don't, and you're describing seeing something as colors or tastes or whatever, and I can't understand it and I'm your doctor, I'm going to say you're sick, right? So here's an example. Whenever I hear Kanye talk about when he goes to the hospital and they treat him so poorly and say that he's bipolar, no, he sees things that we can't see. I mean, I, d- I don't know him, but from my interpretation, from what I know, he is seeing and interpreting it a different environment. Just look at his skills. Well, it's just like the sensory perception, you know, it, it's just, it's different. It's right. just not the same that we have. So for the people who can't see it or don't have it, they call that mentally ill or crazy when really well, that- it might be something else that goes back to the fear or love for me. And I think that's evident in everything we see, but especially when you fear something, the conversation stops and you see that, especially like with all the shit that's happened with me in the last two months where like people like to talk shit about me having an alternative theory. Why, why would you ever get upset about that? Like why do people fear so much, you know, being critical of Q or being critical of Trump? There's no reason we're just talking theory here. But it's because you're operating out of fear completely. And when you get to a conversation in which you fear or a topic in which you fear, don't understand, there's that line that you draw in the sand for yourself. And like you, you don't move past that. You don't educate yourself more. And so I think it almost kind of parlays into this right now that like you don't understand something about somebody. You can't explain it on an objective basis. So you operate in fear and you close that conversation off and label people as insane or crazy. Yeah. And for me, um, because I was an, am a scientist at heart, I had to understand it. I knew it was there. I knew the magic was there. I knew the Disney movies were real. I just had to figure out how, why, what is Disney showing us? Why is there all this quantum physics? Why in the movie soul are they coming through black holes? Why, how, whose ideas are these, right? Right. Who, where is this coming from? And so that goes back to, okay, how's it being instilled in the movies? The information's coming from somewhere. So whether, whether a hit, I always say when I Google quarks, I get the color thermodynamics of quarks. If you Google quark, you might get a character from, you know, a a cartoon. Everybody's, everybody's AI pet is giving them different information. It's up to you to build your mountain of knowledge to have the different interpretation. And then when you clean your brain, and you get into that delta wave sleep, 
and everything else is paralyzed. And what, what I call it, your brain is free to get up and roam about the cabin, but that really means, you know, prayer, meditation, astral travel, whatever you bring to the table, whatever label you put on that, that's where you have the epiphanies. That's where the knowledge comes. That's where the downloads come. That's where you may see something symbolically that look like the guy, the scientist who discovered the benzene ring and the orbital sharing of the, of the electrons in the benzene ring. He had a dream about what's that snake. You posted that picture of that snake that I have that eats the Ouroboros. Yeah. I can never say that word mm-hmm. that he had a dream about that thing. And that's how he realized, Oh, okay. In a benzene ring, that's how the electrons are sharing information. Right. So it's your level of knowledge. that allows you to interpret the symbolism from the field. Another, there's a study that's really cool from Beth Israel where they took, um, they took subjects in India and they took subjects in Spain and the people in India, they had them say chow and another word, two words. That was it. And they were able to, um, to take the information out of their brain, um, put it into a computer. They didn't put it into a computer, upload it through a whatever 3g network transport it to another computer in Spain, download it to the computer in Spain, and then put it back into the subject in Spain, in Spain's brain with trans uh, cranial magnetic stimulation. And the person in Spain got a hit of a phosphine, which looks like a bolt of light in your brain. You see, it looks like you're seeing a lightning bolt, but in your head and know what word was chosen by the person in India. So now we can get into some uh, consciousness transfer, right? Right. So what I'm saying is we are at the level with that technology now where where we can use the MEG um, information like at MAT to read a person's brain so that a neurosurgeon knows with this squid helmet that I'm talking about, which is a quantum qubit helmet at sub-zero temperatures that you put on your head that can read the qubits of information coming off of your head and artificial intelligence can interpret what you're thinking. That's the level of technology of this stuff that's publicly talked about. Right. Which means we must have it like right somewhere else. Which you means know, like the, if they're releasing it now. Right. The reverse engineering of human telepathy. Which in and of itself is the synchronicity, is the string theory, is the connection of it all. Follow your sequence. Now, in the Elon of it all would you would you put a neural link in <laughs> i think i already have one <laughs> <laughs> don't you think elon definitely already has one I are mean, you the, are you testing it, the beta version we're, we're holding it in our hand i don't get why people can't see it like who's dropping the thoughts in your head and who's dropping the information into your phone right but even that, even what you're saying right now, like if people can think of like the movie Inception, like Inception to me is kind of, you know, Inception is basically like, like a psyop, you know, it's, it's just psychological warfare. They're implanting ideas into your brain that you think are your own. Yes. And like, that's what a psyop is. Whether the psyop's good or bad is up for you to decide, but like the Inception and then take that and combine it with like the Tesseract that you see in Interstellar and like. That's what's all happening for Which me is right why now. It's so important that we raise the vibration of humanity. We're at a pivotal point, which is why it's so important that everybody cleans their brain, connects to their source, sees the light, becomes love. Because I mean, it, 
it's why it's so important that everybody wakes up and, and heals themselves, right? Because whether it's a pandemic or as I like to call it, a vaccine or dementia or it's still a balance of energy and inflammation. It's still your mitochondria. It's still making more energy. It's still cleaning yourself. It's still keeping your brain that you had when you were 20 years old. It's all, it's all the balance of, of inflammation versus energy production. What about those, uh, like TRS sprays? Do you, are those real? Do they actually help? Have you seen those before? I, I don't think that I've looked at those enough to comment. But what I, I will one. say is we have a nat- we we have a natural mechanism to clean itself clean ourselves. It's called fasting and dumping, and then refueling. It's called Courtney's protocol. Well, no, I mean anybody can do this, but you have to refuel, right? It's not just people argue about ketosis and starvation, and it's not starvation. And I tell people this when you when they work with me, don't work ahead. Because I don't want you fasting and then intermittent fasting and then intermittent fasting and then intermittent fasting and then you're just in starvation and you're never rebuilding the cells. You have to give it a break, refuel, build the cells. So what's an average, like what do you eat in an average day? Mm, I have bacon and eggs and MCT oil for breakfast or heavy cream and a coffee. I have almost every day either tuna salad or sashimi. Well, I get the sashimi lollipop roll thing at my local grocery store. And then for dinner, sometimes I'm not hungry. Um, and sometimes I'll have, like my husband will make pork and cheese or avocado and chicken. Last night I just had some steak and some cheese. Um, if I get home from work and I'm exhausted, I always have a, a refrigerator full of string cheese and salami and olives. So, cause I'm busy and I don't really care about what I eat. So those are my, my go-tos, but tonight, like at least one or two nights a week, I'll have pizza with my kids. I'll have ice cream. I eat Swedish fish. It's not as restrictive as what everybody thinks. I just, if I have a night like that, I hike my fat ass over the mountain the next day and I don't eat till I'm back in ketosis or I just have like a Starbucks with heavy cream until I'm back in ketosis. It's not, you feel, the, the one thing that people ask me is, oh my God, how long do I have to do this? And Forever. if you're asking that question, you don't understand how amazing your brain can feel. If you're asking that question, just let me take you there. Let me show you what you could see. Let me show you what life could be like. Let me show you how amazing you could feel. And then you'll never ask the question again. Because it won't be a temporary solution. No. You know, most people are just looking for that quick fix, you know. Right. Which get, is why I, get me where I need to be immediately and then I'm eventually going to go back to eating shit all the time. Right. And that's why I say if, I can't, if you're stuck on benzos, I can't help you. If you're stuck with alcohol, I can't help you. And if you're stuck on being vegan or vegetarian, don't come. It won't work. It, your, your, your brain needs animal protein and fat to heal. It, it won't work. Do you ever drink alcohol? I do. But then I go back into ketosis. And I regret it, right? I mean, I love wine just as much as everybody else. I, I was Who was I talking to the other day? I, I spent like four years of my life laying on the couch watching Olivia Pope and having red wine with her every night. <laughs> In a huge glass. I'm right there with you. <laughs> And then I woke up and I was like, wait, what the hell am I doing? This is because some woman on television is doing this and I like the show. I'm like having one glass and then two glasses and then I'm like two and a half glasses and then I'm waking up feeling like crap. This has to, this has to go. So yes, I love alcohol. Just like I, I like wine. I don't like any other alcohol, but 
if you do that every day, again, you're not going to be able to get up and race to the sunshine. You're not going to feel the flow. You're not going to feel the magic. So it's kind of like AA. I look at it like AA. You have to believe there's a higher power. For me, that higher power was making sure that my mitochondria were synced with the light because that feeling, that intuition, that cognition, those downloads, that I couldn't have studied quantum physics five or six years ago. There's no way. I could barely read I watched that movie. There's something about Alice with Julianne Moore. And I thought, holy shit, that's me. I don't know if I could find my car in a parking lot right now. Something has to change. This is not, I am not going to have dementia at 45 years old. This is, I have to fix this. I think um, it's so interesting. Just like the way that you, like for me, I'm in my thirties and now, you know, drinking is just such a whole culture you know, and even like, I, I like to call college a psyop these days because I think it is uh, on some level and totally. not really necessary, but it, it, it just breeds, especially like for me, I was, you know, going to college in an SEC school in the South and it's all about partying and going out all the time and football and all these different things. And then you start thinking about like linguistics and spelling and words and how you're basically casting spells on yourself in that kind of way. And like, alcohol are spirits and they're dampening your spirits and it's just like wow I spent an entire decade essentially like binge drinking multiple times per week and we're all doing that and we wonder why like nobody has a discussion on that you know nobody's talking about how terrible that is for us and what that does for us it's just really promoting except for you and I mean I'm saying like there's an acute percentage of the population doing that versus the corporations pushing oh it's really hard for me. I tell parents, if you want me to work with your 17, 18, 20 year old, 25 year old, they have to want it because as soon as I make them feel better, even if they agree to do everything I say, which most of them will fight. Even if they feel better, they don't remember how bad they felt. And so I'll get them three for a kid. It it can turn, I can turn it around in three to four weeks. But when I get them to that point, Then they just say, oh, but I want to go back to doing what my friends are doing. My friends go out every night and they have wine and they have this and I want to have a normal life. And we have to create a new normal. But like define normal, you know what I mean? Like our, the definition of normal for that 25 year old is one in which was created for them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We have to change that. Other cultures don't do that. We, okay, so this is another big problem that we have. Our children aren't being taught quantum mechanics. Our children aren't even being taught the words. Disney's trying to teach them. The movies are trying to teach them. But at school, they're not learning this stuff. And they're being fed sugar, 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 right? Every party is about sugar. So our knowledge base, our kids are so underprepared for what's coming. And again, this is why I see in the land, like I say in the land of the free and the home of the brave, what are we doing? We need to stand up and, and, and face the mission and, and stop dumbing down our children and epigenetically, right? Why did they just tell us there's a 4% increase in infertility? Our rates of infertility are so high and our children are so sick. We have to teach everybody to turn the ship around, to clean themselves up and turn the ship around. What is the device that I see you take pictures with often? Like what are, it's like testing. There's like a numerical, a number that comes with it. Oh, that's my ketone meter. Okay. What I is you were, that? I thought you were asking about my other cell phone. 
Um, that's my, <laughs> that's my key. I'm like, oh, I do have two phones. Um, no, it's a ketone meter. I use Keto Mojo, and then there's one called Kiss My Keto, and it will test. So when you shift between burning sugar for fuel and fat for fuel, your ketones go up. And um, so I just test periodically. Does, is it like pricking your blood? Like what is yeah. that? It looks like – have you ever seen someone poke their finger for diabetes? It, mm-hmm. it looks just like that, but it's giving you a ketone reading rather than a glucose reading. So I know when I'm in ketosis, I mostly just do it to sh- like – show people my account is just repetitive behavior i just want people to get into repetitive behavior so if you watch me hike my fat ass over a mountain you watch me eat my eggs and my bacon eventually you'll catch on and it's amazing maybe that's gonna crack your eggshell that i'll have people say tell us what to eat tell us what to do and i'm like i tell you what to do every day (laughs) do as i do (laughs) i'm modeling Do you find, so I kind of wanted to like ask you briefly about exercise. So you're hiking for three hours a day. Obviously that's crazy intense, but. Not every day. I mean, if I have to take my kids to school, I don't want people to feel like a failure. I didn't start. I started walking up and down a hill. Right. And if I have to take my kids to school, some days I can't do it. But if I wake up at three in the morning and I'm bored, I'll go do it. And now my kids aren't in school so I can do it more. It's not like every single day I hike that amount, but I make sure if I don't get it in on the weekends, on the weekdays, that I do it on the weekends. And because I have children, I just get up early so that I'm back home in time for to spend the mornings with them. It's really, I, I love your thoughts on sleep. And I've, I've got to, I think, I'm like a, I wake up at three o'clock in the morning all the time, just like you. Like, I, I love people that like refer to it as the witching hour, but we're just so conditioned to go back to sleep. And I, sometimes I wake up and I feel better then that I will at like six o'clock or seven o'clock later. Yeah. Because uh, you just come out of that, that cleaning cycle and you're connected to source and you might be tired later in the day. There is some evidence to say that we are by, that we can be biphasic sleepers. And I've seen some of the athletes try to do it. Um, that's the, like every four hours. Is that yeah. right? And you can mm-hmm. actually use, uh, sometimes I'll use like a hemi, a Delta wave hemi sync programmed at 90 minutes and take myself down and it, it, it works amazing. It takes you down into Delta wave for one cycle and brings you right, right back up and you refresh after 90 minutes. So that was actually a question on one of our pages. Someone asked about sleep types. Um, do I believe you can get yourself to the point of cleanliness where you can need less sleep or be able to do biphasic sleep? Yes. But for the average person with sleep apnea, who's overweight, who's sick, um, being a night owl and from that perspective is part of the problem. Okay. And like, and getting back to that place is, definitely a journey and and not something you're going to jump into immediately by any means. Right. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Now kind of building off something we talked about, uh, just a question that we received. Do you find that like the connections, like this connection that you and I are making or like this synchronicity, whatever you want to call it, like, is this, those connections that you make with other people, the threads that weave together, time and space? I don't think I see it that way. Although it is interesting because somebody said to me on August 27th of 2020, you're going to meet someone from Tennessee. And then the next day you sent me that message. <laughs> I know, right? I'm so sad. I wanted to, uh, I was looking for that today and I realized that was on my old account, so I can't find it anymore. 
But yes, everyone, that was my first interaction with Dr. <laughs> Courtney Hunt telling me that she had spoken to somebody about somebody from Tennessee. And I was just like, well, goddamn, that's one hell of a synchronicity. <laughs> so yeah, maybe, maybe the question is yes and not no for you because that was us making our connection through space time. Let me say this. I think that you can, you can send information across time. I think so. I, I think sometimes that's a synchronicity for me. Yes. Like if you yes. take out the traditional, yes. and I wanted to ask you what your thoughts on the traditional notion of tra- time travel. But before I get there, I think if you take out the traditional notion of tra- time travel and like even me thinking about myself in August right now, that like maybe in that mult in the multiverse, in the reality where August is happening right now, I'm sending myself yes. positive vibes and I see a synchronicity and, and, and that in and of itself could be a form of time travel. Okay. So I was going to say this earlier, but I'm kind of biting my tongue on some of these things, but why not? Um, there's, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so there's this song that I love, this song that's in another language that I absolutely love. And I record everything on my phone so I can go back and look at pictures. What was I doing at this date? What was I doing? What was I doing in this time? So like, for example, I have, there was a day in September I was standing at a gas station and doing something for someone. And I, I was, I didn't plan to go to that gas station. I pulled up my phone thinking, huh, what did I do exactly a year ago on this date? At this time, I was standing at the same gas station doing, writing the same email. It was crazy. And so I have this song that I love. And when I listen to this song now, it has so much meaning because of what has just happened in my life now. But I was playing that song and like crying and not knowing why emotionally in 2017, putting my kids to bed. And I took screenshots of us listening to the song. And I look at that and I think, was that me sending back a memory to myself? I think it is. I think that we have the ability to, to do that. Another. That was like you sending a memory, but also you perceiving a fu- the future yeah, as well. Back and forth. Yeah. So there was a, there was a morning, um, like a year and a half ago where I was on the mountain hiking and it was dark and it was spring, but I couldn't convince myself that it wasn't fall. And I kept saying to my friend, Ben, who's always in my lives, Ben, are you seeing this? Like it's October, but it's March. Like I can't, the timeline to me is I'm having trouble because it's dark and I'm not seeing anything connecting where I am in this in this sequence or this timeline right now. Um, so it's those kinds of things that because I have a scientific brain, if I just said that you'd think I was nuts, but because I have a scientific brain, I'm always looking for, okay, how, how, how am I connecting to my light? How is that happening? It's all light. Everything is light. And I, I think this kind of goes into this discussion as well. And I think we'll probably both agree, but I think. Somebody wanted to know that like in the quantum entanglement of it all, like I think that's how we're experiencing sometimes like ancestral traumas, you know, or um, certain traits or fears that might have come from like a, a prior period of time of, of um, an ancestor of yours that might be coming down through your DNA in that way. Memory. It's memory in light. Because, I mean, it, it, and water can hold a memory. You know, water can, the, the molecular, molecular composition of water changes just in the way that we talk to it. So, like, how could we not think that, like, 
water or, or memories in that way could be stored within us. Yeah. The water stuff, I don't believe, but the, the handing down of trauma, um, we know that when the sperm and egg fuse, the sperm gets DNA gets completely demethylated. It gets the epigenetically, it gets stripped basically almost completely stripped. But we also know, well, there's some interesting findings that I won't go into about other ways that epigenetic memory can be handed down. Um, like from a mother's brain in worms and, and bacteria ways that we, ways that completely alter what we think about, about epigenetic memory being handed down, meaning if the, meaning if a worm perceives something that it needs to, um, uh, interact with in its environment, the brain can trigger something to happen in the egg and the next generation of worms perceives that in the environment, not through the gametes. It's, it's pretty crazy what we're starting to find out from that level. Um, I think that we can pass that back to generational trauma. We passed down generational trauma, but we also passed down generational pleasure and nobody talks about that or happiness, right? Sometimes you're just happy and you don't know why. You talked earlier and you said something briefly on cloning. Do you find that cloning exists in like the traditional sense? Like, what do you mean when you're talking about cloning? Oh, I was just saying when I was in high school, I was fascinated with cloning. I haven't spent much time in that, in that arena since then, but like my, my high school papers that I remember writing were on DNA and cloning back. Like the first sheep was cloned back then. However many years ago that was. Oh, Dolly. I, uh, do you have time to like read? Do you read it all? Quantum physics. <laughs> I have a really great fictional book that like my dad gave me when I was like eight years old. That's about cloning and I read it every couple of years. So if you'll allow me, I'll send that to you. Yes, you please do. You think about it. Please. Cause it, it, it's a wild fictional tale on cloning, but I find that there's just hints of, um, truce, you know, kind of truce wrapped in untruce. I think basically everything that we see these days. I would just, if you ever have time, I, I would love to talk to you about that book. Cause I, I, I was somebody who thought about cloning and stuff like that when I was younger as well. So I, um, I would love really to send it to me. And the other yeah. trippy thing, the thing that, I mean, I've no, my parents taught me, we create this reality. I remember doing talks about it when I was like eight and nine years old for an oratory comp, um, competition, but I didn't understand the how. So I was obsessed with like Wayne Dyer and, and those type of genre of people when I, in my twenties and thirties. And, um, I remember in high school thinking there's going to come a day where we will be able to just live off of nutrients in a bottle, vitamins. We may have to live off of nutrients in a bottle. Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that I would have a vitamin company. Never. I was an obstetrician. I, I, I look at my life and I'm like, how did this come to fruition? I was delivering babies exhausted, but I had this image of there coming a point in time in humanity where we were going to have to get our nutrients from a bottle. And I'm not, I don't want people to think I'm crazy and that you have to get your nutrients or vitamins, like eat your food, but you can rebuild yourself with nutrients in a bottle. If you, if you break yourself down through autophagy and then you take pure vitamins, you can rebuild your cells. Now to connect those two dots from when I was 16 years old and I was having those thoughts to today at 49 having a vitamin company, how the hell did that happen? It's not like I said at 16, I'm going to build the steps and make a vitamin company. I, I, I never, 
But like that, but that's that same thing we were talking about and and almost like the synchronistic time travel at all that like you're thinking about it now, sending it back to the 16 year old who's also thinking about the future, sending it to you at the same time. Yes. And all time is happening at the same time. That's how it works. You're but, like uh, the only person who understands me. <laughs> this is why I've been like, Courtney, please podcast with me for almost a year now. I tell my husband, I don't want to go out to dinner. I just want to stay home because nobody understands what the freak I'm talking about. <laughs> but what, like what you were saying with the vitamins though, have you, um, I recently went to an Amish guy who is a, um, I might say this incorrectly, iridology iridologist iridiologist yeah I don't I know what you're talking and about. and he did um he looked at my eyes and told me all the things that were wrong with me so I'm interested to kind of like do this with you now and, and compare notes but what he was saying is like in theory you should be able to get all your nutrients from your food but we can't with the way that things are grown in the food industry and all these different things so yes it would be nice to do it that way but sometimes you got to have a girl with a, a vitamin company you know because <laughs> Monsanto can't eat Oreos because it's all full of Monsanto. <laughs> I mean, we've created, like, we've created the uh, mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's See, I've never taken a physics class in my life, but like this stuff just seems like it just comes natural to me, even though I like, so like when you're saying like, Oh, you finally understand me. I'm like, <laughs> I finally found somebody I can talk about this shit with too. <laughs> even though I feel like I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> And physics was not my forte. Physics, when I was at Berkeley, that was the one class I got a C in. I hated introductory physics. Like, I never thought that I would come back to this mm-hmm. now, ever. It, I've almost thought, uh, like, wondered, like, could I go to college? Like, could I just go take a couple physics classes somewhere? Because, I like, that's – and at this point, with, like, what all the things that are on the Internet, I could probably find something without having to actually you can enroll. Teach yourself. It's more fun to teach yourself. That's You're true. Not trying to teach yourself. It's just about finding good information though, you know, what, um, what kind of recommendations do you have on like a natural or a healthy alternative for people who suffer from anxiety or depression? Clean your brain, clean your brain and make sure you're getting the right nutrients and don't drink and don't smoke. And you just have to clean your brain. How do you feel about marijuana? It's great if you're in ketosis. Oh, really? It's a plant. Interesting. Right? Well, you just said something about smoking. So I was, I was making a distinction that you're referring to cigarettes only I, and, yes. and not weed or, or both? Cigarettes. Like po- poisoning your mitochondria. But um, but marijuana I'm fine with. What about sunscreen? I don't wear it. Do you put it on your kids at all? No. Agreed. We just go in. We just go inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mm-hmm. use the D-Minder app, not now because I know what I'm doing, but I used to use it religiously, right? And so you could take the same Caucasian person who's on a high inflammatory diet and, and then put them into ketosis and their sun tolerance will be so much higher in ketosis if they don't have lotion on, if they're not trapping the toxins in their skin, if they're cleaning themselves. It's, it's like a totally different being, which is... Yeah, I mean, it's one thing that amazes people with when they work with me is, number one, their allergies go away and their sun tolerance goes up exponentially because they're not frying their skin with all the, the carbohydrates and the 
reactive oxygen species. I don't know if you'll know the answer to this, but I wanted to ask because somebody else did. With the recent FDA ban, what is a good alternative supplement for NAC? The food. Just eat the foods that are high in cysteine, pork, cheese, eggs. Where do you buy your – do you buy from um, like Whole Foods or something like that? Or are you buying from a – like how do you acquire your food? I mostly go to Sprouts and Safeway just because those are the closest and I just buy the best that I can. I'm, 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 I'm here to tell people how to heal, whether you make 50 bucks a week or 500,000 bucks a week. It, to me, all the fancy schmancy, it's all about that glucose to keto, G to K switch. Like whatever you can afford, do that. It's not, it doesn't have to be expensive to heal your brain. It doesn't. So you buy the best that you can afford. If you have chickens in your backyard, great. If you can buy organic or grass-fed, cage-free, great. If you can't, it's okay. The Something you said earlier that we were kind of talking about sleeping, and you were saying, like, if I have 90 minutes, like, I'll listen to this. I'll get into, like, the D wave. Are you listening to, like, a binaur- binaural beats or something like that to get into yeah, that? I have or- a hemisync one that I use. It's on YouTube. It's just a 90-minute hemisync delta wave and i have an application for anybody who cares i think it's called binaural beats but my question was i find that i i don't know that i've ever astral traveled and that's something i I intend to work on with the the gateway experience and and hopefully the uh dr courtney hunt gateway experience (laughs) 2.0 2.21 i'm not advertising it (laughs) this year but i find that when i take like a smaller set of sleep like that, like a 90 minute or like a a nap that I can lucid dream and I become very much self-aware in my dreams and I've have all my life. But I think it's easier for me when I do it in the context of a nap. Yes. Anything. Do do you, do you lucid dream, do you astral travel? I remember times from childhood laying on the couch in my living room with my body on the couch, but I wasn't in my body. Mm-hmm. And I remember times like in my first job doing the same thing in the middle of the day, napping, coming home from having delivered babies all night and being in my room, being asleep, but I wasn't asleep. Mm-hmm. And at the time I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand. Now I understand, but you know, if I told my mom when I was 13 years old, Hey, I was up moving around the living room when my body was on the couch, she would have thought I was well, really, at this point, both of our mothers might have actually understood and just told us we were crazy anyways. <laughs> yeah. So those are the those are the kinds of things that nobody talks about that that happened to us. Something see. else that you mentioned that I was going to say to that point. What was it? I don't I don't it'll come to me. No, I mean. So like, what do you think about CERN then? Like you brought that up. I didn't, I didn't even anticipate bringing that up. I love CERN. I love talking about CERN. Like, do you really think that they. Boys with their toys? Yes. (laughs) Like, do you think that that, uh, we've talked about the multiverse, talked about time travel, but like, do you think that a manipulation within CERN kind of like creates that, that next layer of reality? Does like does um in like the Mandela of it all? Not right now. 
You can talk about it later. (laughs) (laughs) Not in this timeline. (laughs) Not in this timeline. Okay. Not, not in the way that you're saying, not Mm -hmm. in the way that you're saying, no. Uh, What do you think the point of CERN, what do you think they're doing with CERN then? Putting their fingers where they don't belong. Back to like the, the original analogy you were making. I see. I see. Let's see. We've hit most of these questions now. Somebody asked, how do you see man progress when spiritual beliefs are met with scientific quote unquote advances? I think that it goes back to the conversation that we had earlier. We have to wake up and realize that we come from and go back to the same place that we are all coming from and going back to light. It's no different than I don't like you because you're gay. I don't like you because you're straight. I don't like you because you wear red soled shoes. I don't like you because you don't have Adidas. I don't like you because you have a Harvard education. I don't like you because you didn't go to high school. I don't like you because whatever my tribe says not to like you, right? Where does that come from? Why are women and children less than? Why are the guys in charge? Where does all that come from? So when we wake up and we realize, okay, it's all really boiling down to quantum mechanics. And the scientists don't tell you that there's really a God and the religions tell you that the quantum mechanics isn't what they're talking about. Welcome to the revelation. Welcome to exactly where we are now and why nothing makes sense. In the... I have like a, an interesting thread on my profile about MRIs and how a lot of people talk about like after they've had an MRI and the kind of like that exposure to, um, radiation like that, that they have almost like out of body experiences or, um, almost if that, that kind of reveals people's magic a little bit more sometimes in that way when they get exposure to that. Have you ever seen something like that or heard anything as it relates to MRIs and, no, but let me think about it. Maybe we'll talk about it sometime. I haven't been, I haven't, I haven't taken a deep dive in that one. I haven't been asked that question. Well, I'll, I'll send you my, my little saved story that I have, but it was like something random that I posted about with MRIs. And then all of a sudden I got this like outpouring of followers who were like, I had an MRI and then this happened and I had an MRI and I had this sort of like out of body experience and connection. Huh. And so I love talking about, I just rewatched Lost and I like to make That's movie and TV references. <laughs> really? The electromagnetism. Oh my, I'm so obsessed with it. I, like rewatching it. I don't know when the last time you saw it was, but when like it came out. So I need to go back and rewatch it because. Oh my God, Courtney. <laughs> that, Wild. the OA, I mean, it's all in the OA. Every single piece is in the, they did such a good job with OA. That has to be artificial intelligence telling them what to, to put it. Have you seen OA? I'm obsessed with the OA. I rewatch <laughs> it all of the time. If you got if you rewatch season two, even like every couple of months and you see something different, I have a whole theory about how season three is actually playing out in real life right now. Well, Which I mean, kind if you, of parlays if, into an AI discussion if, as well. If you think about it, Penrose and Hameroff are studying consciousness in the microtubules in our brain. 
And that's and the so- growth, you know, the growth that you're talking about when they're all laying in the pools and it's all growing together. Yes. How did they know to write that? That's what I keep. I, I have actually sent her messages on Instagram saying, can you just talk to me? How did you guys know to write this? Right. No. Okay. So I got to tell you my, my theory then like in, do you remember in season two, and, and I love it because, you know, it touches on the multiverse and the soul tribe and how something happens in one reality and it affects what's happening in the other reality. But he says to her at one point, like, you might come to a reality in which you don't realize who you are. You don't realize that you're the original angel, you know, that, and you won't know and that everyone else will know, but you won't. And so at the very end where um, I can't remember the black guy's name now, but he's at the top of the house. He finished the maze and he's looking through the window but it's supposed to be like real life, you know, where they're actually acting that that was this whole discussion. Now that like that conversation that Hap had with her, where like, you're going to be the OA and nobody's going to know. And everyone, or you're not going to know, but everyone else is going to know. And then they saw them acting that like they canceled it, but that, that that's the, um, the basis of saying that like season three is actually happening in real time right now. But then I saw something today that said that it might get picked up by NBC and be oh back gosh. on on television soon. I, I was so sad when they did that. But I see what you're saying, and I I was so sad that they let it go. But the um, I'm on the OA Reddit, the subreddit. Like I read all all the crazy stuff and all the crazy theories, and they think I can't remember the, you know, it's her and her partner that do this whole thing, and the man on his Instagram has been like doing all these like Easter eggs and like suggesting that it, it really is coming back. So Courtney, we have so much in common. We've got to talk more than we have since August. <laughs> I kind of went into hiding for a while. It's all right. I'm back. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that you're back. And I think that's a good place to stop. Does that work for you? Perfect. Thanks. I think I took you for more time than maybe you thought, but I appreciate you so much. This is really fun. Thank you so much. Where can everyone find you again? Um, CourtneyHuntMD.com. I put the book. Oh, so I gave the book for free. Um, Your Spark is Light, The Quantum Mechanics of Human Creation. It is a version of the book. There are multiple versions of the book. And um, that version, if you like it, people are downloading it like crazy. It's free on my website. All you have, there's there's a red box. And you just put in your email and it will come instantly. People are struggling with that, but it's, it works. But I ask that if, if you take a copy of the book, get whatever you can give to children of the night, the original intent behind our writing of the book was to give the money to charity. I'm not making anything off of it. Um, so if you take the book, whatever you can afford to do to children of the night, it's a, it's an organization out of Los Angeles run by a single female woman to help traffic children. Um, and then my company where I do online educational consults is genetic protocol. And I have my Courtney hunt MD Instagram page. And then the physics page is Dr. Courtney hunt. So if I wanted to employ your services in that way, the best way would be to go to that, that second website, the genetic protocol.com. And the really for me to really teach someone, it takes me three full 30 minute visits and the genetic test that so you want to get the, the complete package. If you're already in ketosis and you understand light, then we could just do one visit, but to really take somebody who's sick and on the couch and can't get up, it takes, it takes a lot of time to, on, to teach people to unlearn, to relearn. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been so educational. Thank you. It was I'm so excited that we, we got together. Um, everyone, thank you so much for listening. This is episode 72 of the my Maria seven, seven, seven podcast. Find me on Twitter, find me on my website, all my normal name, um, on Instagram. I've got an extra a, so that's my Maria a seven, seven, seven. And I'll be back soon with episode 73. I should be talking to Ron Watkins again soon and following up with the, our third episode together. And then I'm actually having Ian Smith who, um, has been in the news in New Jersey, owns that one, uh, large gym and, and got into a ton of trouble with New Jersey back in the day, but he's going to come and talk to us about standing up for your rights and standing up to the city and all that kind of stuff next week. So Thank you so much for listening. Listen, like, subscribe. Give me a five-star review. And hopefully we will have Dr. Courtney Hunt back soon. Thank you.